I suppose I got to that point and, you know, asking, where's happiness? It should be here somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. And what it felt like was what's coming to me is that I wasn't with one of the things is that I wasn't with my tribe in the right, sense in the right. sense that the people I was spending time with um, were no longer my people. Wow. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And I was going through these experiences, um, what I could call awakening experiences. And it was very obvious to me that my path was diverging. And that if I had chosen to stay where I was, it would have ended up in, in deep misery. And the psychedelic experience then exposes you to a greater consciousness and awareness of the God within us, the spirit within us, that we are part of the spirit, that we are with the spirit, call it what you may. That we are the spirit. We are the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the danger of that is? Well, the danger for me and for a lot of people is that because these states of being are so beautiful and profound and blissful, but they're not permanent, one has to come back to the sober stage. And a lot of the habitual patterns and conditions of the mind are still there. Yeah. So one can escape them by taking these medicines um, but you've still got to do the work they, yeah. they can show you things you yeah. can have shifts of perspective and insight yeah but ultimately you still have to come back and you still have to do the work yeah you are saying that you're prepared to do whatever in order to pursue constant inner happiness yeah that's right I, I spent so long thinking and presuming that happiness came from external things yeah. um, relationships even yeah. um, material things that you own or that you acquire and I had all that and yeah. yet there was still something that was lacking Yeah. and naturally for most people they would they would think that, oh, I, maybe I just need more. Yeah. And from what I've experienced, there, there is no limit to what is more. Yeah. It, it's a bottomless bucket. Yeah. And so what I'm starting to realize and what I have experienced to a degree is that what I am looking for is already, it's already within. It's, yeah. it's already my, my essence, like you say, my yeah. nature. And so the whole spiritual process is not actually about attaining or obtaining anything. It's, it's actually just about cleaning the dirt that's in the way that's stopping us from seeing reality as it is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems that the, the worldly things which, used to, which I used to give a lot of attention to are concerning me less and less and less. I have less desire and attachment to these things. Yeah. And uh, the attention or the awareness back then, when once this, once this awakening journey started, the awareness started to turn from what was outside to what is inside. Yeah. And realizing that what I'm looking for is is actually inside. Yeah. Um, like like Christ says, the kingdom of heaven is within. And uh, there's a Buddhist mantra, Om Mani Padme Hom. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, the, the jewel is within the lotus. Yeah. Um, the lotus referring to this idea of enlightenment. Yeah. So the jewel is within. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah, hi there, dear people, and welcome to yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. I am so delighted that you've chosen uh, your time to hear uh, this particular episode. Actually, I'd be thrilled if you actually listened to a whole host of them. Hey, episode number eight, 
Oh, the one with JJ. Forgive me, dear people. I'm not sure whether it's going to precede this particular episode or follow it, but look out for JJ, please. That's a, that's an absolutely epic episode. Jeff McKeon, too. Really, really enjoyed that one. And Rebecca Williams. Oh, wow. That was, uh, that was enlightening. But uh, this one today is, um, is going to be special because I know right up front it will be different, dear people. And one of the reasons is we're going to meet a remarkable young man. Now, I'm allowed to use the word remarkable because I've already experienced Matthew Barber. Now, how and where did I experience Matthew Barber? A young man who grew up in the Wollongong area. Matthew, did I get that correct? Is it Wollongong? Wollongong, that's right. Wollongong. But I think there are like suburbs or towns near Wollongong that are more appropriate to you. Is that right? Thirul. Thirul. How do you spell that? T-H-I-R-R-O-U-L. I've never heard of the rule. Northern suburbs of Illawarra. (laughs) That's where Matthew comes from. But I only met Matthew just a week ago. By the time this podcast comes to your ears, it may be a couple of weeks. And Matthew was my kitchen manager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you heard him laughing. (laughs) And, And please believe me, there is so much more to Matthew than being a kitchen manager. But he was... A superb manager. In the aftermath of my experience at this Vipassana retreat in which, together with Matthew and the team, we created meals and delivered meals to the participants who had to remain silent for 10 days, I had the opportunity to speak to a crowd of my experience. And I said this, I wish that in all my teachings and coachings of managers and leadership in companies like Westpac Bank, Toyota, Accor, National Australia Bank, various sporting organisations, I wish their managers had actually seen the way that Matthew managed us, a group of strangers in the kitchen. I'm going to give you an example. This guy, he just didn't bring any ego to his role or his position. I mean, I didn't even know how to make a salad dressing. And yet, if that's what needed to be done, the way of coaching and the way in which he gave me the autonomy to discover meant that my experience in his team was one in which I improved and enhanced both as a cook (laughs) and as a person. And forgive me, dear people, in my coaching work with corporations all around the country, I see ego getting in the way, creating tension, people owning stuff, not willing to share with their key independence or key working relationships that happen to work in other departments. And I see these very unnecessary tensions arise between people who collaboratively are supposed to be working together to create betterment. They could take lessons from... Matthew Barber. Matthew, I want to go to you, and you're listening to what I'm saying at the moment. Can I just ask you, what are you thinking at the moment? <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's quite empty. <laughs> well, that, that's great. So where do we start now? <laughs> great question. Um, I guess what I am thinking of is, is how I've reached this, um, this point in my life. Yeah. Um, reflecting on where I was, say, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. And how I am now. It's poles apart. It, it, and, and therefore, it must be an amazing journey of awareness for you as you reflect on those last seven years. Of course, we're going to enlighten our listeners as to what that looks like shortly. But 
Are you a little bit stunned, surprised? Or, or try, now try this way. How would you describe the last seven years? I want like just a single sentence. I, I want you to like summarize what is the last six or seven years of this enormous growth and awareness? What has it meant to you? What's been the value to you? Why have you embraced the pathway? Which our listeners got no idea what we're talking about at the moment. Sure. But give us a hint as to its value. Sure. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind just then was uh, a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, taking a leap of faith and leaving what was comfortable and leaving these ideas of what I initially thought was success. Yeah. Um, being in this space of what would outwardly, outwardly be seen as very successful. But inside I was, I was suffering. Yeah. I was miserable. And, uh, but too scared to leave the bubble. Let's bring that to life. Give us some colour. What was that space? What were you doing? And what, what, were you, what bubble were you leaving? Colour it for us. Sure. I was in the corporate world working as a civil project engineer yeah. um, for government in Sydney. I had a very secure job with a very decent salary. Was living in multiple places, but towards the end, was based in a penthouse apartment in Manly. Yeah, had a had a beautiful girlfriend, had all these friends around me, had a great social life. Yet inside, there was something that was lacking. There was a feeling of discontent, like yeah. that. There was a feeling of there being more. Yeah, yeah, and that. I'd reached this point in my life where I had all these things and happiness should have been there, but it wasn't. Uh, What I'm interested in, how did you recognize the discontent? Like I've got this picture, you're 27 years of age or there or thereabouts. You've got all of these good things going for you, which I, I, I believe in your upbringing and my upbringing, society was saying, you are making it. That's right. You, 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 you are on the top of the mountainous ridge. Yeah. You've got the views, pal. You yeah. see it all. And yet you recognised a discontent yeah. while you're experiencing that happiness. I don't know what the question is. Can you just comment on that, please? Uh, sure. Um, I suppose I got to that point and, you know, asking where's happiness? It should be here somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. And what it felt like was what's coming to me is that I wasn't with one of the things is that I wasn't with my tribe in the, right. sense, in the right. sense that the people I was spending time with um, – were no longer my people. Wow. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And I was going through these experiences, um, what I could call awakening experiences. And it was very obvious to me that my path was diverging. Yeah. And that if I had have chosen to stay where I was, it would have ended up in, in deep misery. Wow. Okay. So when you say you're not with your tribe... In the, in the engineering fraternity, in the project fraternity, you weren't with your tribe? In the, not so much the engineering world, um, that as well, but more in the, in the social world. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about the girlfriend world? Was she part of your tribe? Uh, she was. Yeah. For, for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and then I started having these experiences that she couldn't understand. Yeah. And, and how could she? Because she wasn't experiencing them. Yeah. And... It actually got to the point where what I was sharing was frightening her. Right. And I had to go my own way. And I, I, had, to, I had to leave that, that bubble of security. May I ask, what was inspiring these experiences and, and awarenesses that, that was triggering within you that you wanted to search for more? So what was inspiring you to see yeah. those? Uh, so one of the biggest things there, probably the first major catalyst, 
was a book. Wow. Um, the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, wow. And I was reading that book and I would read a phrase or a paragraph. Yeah. And I would need to stop reading because suddenly my whole body would become electric. It would start to vibrate um, as if it was remembering something that it had deeply forgotten, that, right. that was buried. And this book began a deeper search for meaning. Right. Um, then I discovered meditation. Yeah. And the first meditation I ever did had such a profound impact on me. Yeah. It completely changed my life. Describe it for us. Sure. Um, so this first meditation was essentially sitting on the beach at Bondi with a large <laughs> group of people back to back with my partner at the time yeah. and doing what they call a mantra. Yeah. So reciting a mantra in the mind silently for it could have been anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. And upon emerging from that experience, I recall opening my eyes and looking south along the beach towards the headland yeah. and just seeing the trees blow in the wind and seeing the birds taking flight around the headland. And I just started weeping. Um, it was as if I was seeing the world for the first time through fresh eyes with a fresh perspective. I, I, I want to dig a little deeper um, than that. Is it okay if I ask, is it appropriate for me to ask, what was the mantra? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh -huh. It was a very simple mantra, uh, one word, aham. Aham. Aham, A-H-A-M, aham. And it means? It's Sanskrit and it, it translates to I am. Wow. I am. The goal here is to get the mind one-pointed. Meaning? Meaning it becomes seamlessly fixated on one object without, without a gap. Really what I'm hearing there is, 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 is in fixating the mind, you're also cutting off what the mind normally does, is can send you a hundred different little images and messages and yeah, sure. over a minute and uh, infiltrate and intervene yeah, well, these with things, that current moment. Exactly. Yeah, and, and these yeah. things still are there. They, yeah. they still come back. Yeah. Um, but then the practice is to acknowledge them, let, let them be there, don't resist them in any way, yeah. but then to simply come back to the mantra. Yeah. And uh, in my experience now upon having tried different techniques, um, I don't practice this anymore, yeah. but it is a very easy way to develop concentration right. by, by reciting a word, yeah. a mantra. Yeah. Now, I... I I need to give you credit for what I'm about to say because I could sound very, very knowledgeable here, but you actually said this to me over the last 24 hours, right? You said that in, in doing such a meditative practice, it creates space in your mind, is, is that right? Or space within you? Could you elaborate on that experience of meditation creating space? Sure, yeah. Uh, based on my own experience, initially the mind is, and, and usually the mind is quite restless and quite busy, what they call the monkey mind. Yeah. Um, but through these various practices of meditation, eventually the mind does start to settle down. It starts to calm down. And so what you notice is that, I won't put a, a fixed number of minutes on it, but eventually the mind does start to reach a place of emptiness or spaciousness. Right. And uh, when you're in that space, you are able to perceive things in a different way. Because right. there's, there's less chatter and there's less projection yeah. of what's happening around you. My, my interpretation of that, and I think there's value in, in, in now me feeding back my interpretation, because any listener here is, is hearing what you just described, my interpretation of that is, in the space, whatever it is you're seeing now, the data, the impression of what you are seeing can fill that space in greater detail. For sure. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more clear. So when you're then looking down the beach, you just didn't see birds flying. Mm, or you see them, but they, 
the mind is elsewhere. The, the mind is busy thinking of uh, what's happening tomorrow or what's happening at work or yeah. some memory from the past. You're not present. Yeah. So it's, it's all about really deep presence. So therefore, you don't really see. True. <laughs> you see form and shape and bird, which you recognize as a bird, but you don't experience that moment. Yeah, because there's other, there's other contents in the yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the meditative experience that you had, and this is your first one, this, this is, is a first. mantra meditation, sure. allowed you to experience what space could give you, mental, emotional, spiritual? Yeah, all of the All above. of the above. Yeah, yeah. What that space could give you was a greater experience of the moment and the now. As it is. Yeah. Yeah. As it is. And up until that point, seeing things uh, without there being a whole overwhelmingly um, abundance of, of mental chatter. Yeah. When that's, when that's removed. Yeah. And just processing and seeing what was happening in the moment as it is. Yeah. Um, brought so much joy. Yeah. So much. So I wasn't crying because I was sad. I was crying because I was feeling joy. What did you see? Now, you could say, I saw the beach, I saw the water, I saw... The... No, 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 no. What did you see? Or maybe the better question is, what did you experience? Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, the best word I could use is uh, a dance. <laughs> so the way I see it, when the mind is, is clear, I see everything as a dance. One big dance where everything is connected and all dancing together. So I saw the wind dancing with the birds, with the trees oh, and the colours wow. and the sunlight and it was all dancing and moving and playing together as one big ocean. And having that experience, what did it do for you? What, what did it awaken you to? <laughs> it awakened me to to realizing that there are, <laughs> there are whole new ways of seeing and experiencing reality. This is beautiful. Without all that clutter and, and forgive me for saying, garbage in, in the way. Wow. It's yeah. a strong word. Yeah. So clearing out that, that mess and allowing the natural process to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming you, you've described your first meditative experience through a mantra meditation, yeah. Bondi Beach, back to back with the then beautiful woman of your life at that time. Yeah. But this has triggered then a whole host of searches. Um, shall we stick to meditation sure, just yeah. for a moment? Yeah. What, what other meditative experiences i mean our, our our listening audience here is aware that we met on a vipassana retreat that's right right that's become your dominant meditative go-to practice yeah that yeah. that's the only meditation i do now wow okay yeah what is the overall purpose for you of this pathway sure um at this stage um the focus is to develop self-mastery um, that is mastery over the mind yeah. that that's one big part of it uh, the other part of it is to purify the mind yeah um, that is to remove and allow to dissolve all the deeply rooted complexes that are there from past experiences that's right maybe yeah. even genetic experience sure maybe not ancestors. even just from this life yeah. you wow. Wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. And if you do that, if you, if you get really close or even achieve self-mastery or that degree of control, what do you expect to experience? Yeah, so when the mind becomes purified, so the self-mastery is, is, is just a means. Yeah. We need to develop the mastery of the mind in order to start purifying the mind. They, they go together. Yeah, yeah. They support each other. Um, and what starts to happen is that as the deep unconscious layers of the mind start releasing what they've accumulated, the mind becomes cleaner and yeah. lighter and more free. Yeah. So naturally as a result of that, our 
our essence starts to shine through. And, you know, we could use different words to describe that, like, like love or unconditional peace, joy, bliss, all these natural qualities that are already our essence. Yeah. They start to come through from the core. There's also this uh, term of what they call nirvana or yeah. uh, satori, moksha, enlightenment. Wow. And the idea here is that you are, you are liberated from all kinds of suffering yeah. and misery and impurity. Wow. Do you believe that that is almost the purpose of our humanity is to reach collectively that enlightened stage? Yeah, and I suppose you could also say it's remembering who we are, who we really are. Elaborate, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When we're no longer confused or caught up or indoctrinated in a, a, a false way of seeing ourselves. Yeah. Um, the spirit is set free, so to speak. Wow. So this, this idea that we're contained only within this, this physical structure yeah. is, in my opinion, a very limited way of looking at <sighs> the world. Yeah. Um, and it is a process. Yeah. It, it's not like you can just take a red pill and... Um, Matrix. Well, yeah, that was the I reference. Heard it. I heard yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, there are different things out there that can open the mind. Yeah. But ultimately, you still need to do the work. And that yeah. is you need to purify the mind or drop into the heart, whatever you connect with. Matthew Barr, I'm learning so much from you. <laughs> because what, what I think you almost just suggested then, that maybe a purpose of life for you is to seek liberation from the mind. You may have just answered this question, but so, so repeat what you said. If we need to transcend the mind, if we need to take control of the mind, what is the purpose of the mind? Yeah, um, so using the mind as a tool, the, the way it should be used, rather than identifying with our thoughts or our mental contents. Yeah. So, and... Different cultures in time have understood this in different ways, but they all saw the mind as a sense organ. Yeah. Along with the, the ears and the eyes and the taste and touch, etc. Yeah. That the mind or the emotions were just another sense. Yeah. Um, it, but it's not who we are. Yeah. But in, in this day and age and throughout time, we have become so identified with our thinking process. Yeah. And our intellect. Yeah. But the intellect is a very small part of of the life experience. Yeah. So these like these life experiences that you touched on from childhood or whatever it yeah. is, they they create patterns, patterns or reactions in the mind, what they call a sankhara. Yeah. And this was the Buddha's way of explaining a part of the mind that reacts or takes action. Yeah. Um and Developing that mastery of the mind yeah. so that we can use it as a tool to purify the mind. Yeah. So, so the, the mental control is only one aspect. Yeah. The other aspect is the purification. Yeah. Because just having control is, is, is not enough. I see. I we, see. We, we still need to dissolve and heal those past patterns or habitual tendencies or reactions, yeah. traumas even, of the mind. May I say, that, that, that part of the mind which, which, which doesn't serve us, there, there are so many parts of the mind there in, that, that are stored as thoughts and, and, and recollections of past, and they don't serve us. Sure. So is that part of the purification to get rid of, rid of the stuff that doesn't serve us? Yeah, I mean, it's reacting in a certain way based on past experiences. Yeah. Um, which may no longer serve us. It may have protected us or helped us once upon a time, but because they're so deeply ingrained at an unconscious level, we're not even aware that they're taking place. And if we were to do that, create that purity, then I want to come back to creativity. I want to come back to imagination. The ability of the mind to create and see something ahead (laughs) Um, if we 
were to create that purification, this would allow the mind to use its, 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 its strengths, its capabilities to serve us. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To serve yeah. humanity. Um, and using the tool, the brain, the mind, to imagine, to create, to visualize, and to manifest things which, which are ultimately good for us and good for others. But in that description there, we also have to allude to the fact that in purifying the mind, we have created space for the essence of us to utilize the gifts of the mind that serve us. Yeah, You've just created, seriously for me there, that is a, a, a breakthrough paradigm picture. I've never thought of that as an outcome. Matthew, what we've heard so far, we've heard of your first experience into meditation. We've also heard how it, amongst perhaps other experiences, has been a stimulation for a higher purpose for you. Certainly a purpose that you're prepared to pursue at the expense of, shall we call it, society's paradigms of success. You know, yeah. The engineering job, the penthouse at Bondi, the social friends that you had all of that somehow didn't stir up the happiness that you became aware was possible. Yeah. So we've heard of the outcome and we've heard of the purpose and the why. Can you fill in some of the gaps for us? And, and I'm talking about the practical things that you did, not so much meditation. Where did you go to around the world and why did you go to these places what were you doing in these other places around the world over the last seven years? Where did you go to after Bondi? <laughs> <laughs> so after the first meditation experience, I had a number of following or subsequent experiences that basically did not stop. They kept expounding on, on, on one another. So that includes starting to practice yoga. Yeah. Um, developing and maintaining a meditation practice. Yeah. Um, then also came different uh, plant experiences, which which served their own purpose. Did you say plant? Plant, yeah, as in plant medicine. As in like herbal medicines, plant medicines. Uh, what they refer to as the psychedelics. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's it's very interesting that you should you should bring that up because it's something that one senses in society at the moment the perception of their value. The perception is changing and shifting now. There seems to be a growing movement. Hey, excuse me, it's a very natural, it's a gift from nature. They are, yeah, and yeah. it's starting to get recognised now that they can be used for healing. Like, wow. like they have for millennia in, yeah. in ancient cultures and traditions. Yeah. But now particularly in the West. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I believe just recently Australia has legalized the therapeutic use of um, psilocybin, which is the ingredient from the magic mushrooms. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You, 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 the, the medical healing, and, and, and please forgive me, Andrew Johns, if I've got the story just slightly misaligned, please, but I'm aware of a terrific podcast between Andrew Johns, the great Australian rugby league halfback, New South Wales blues origin captain of many years, who in a, a podcast experience with Mark Howard, the Howie Games, loved that podcast. Um, Andrew actually spoke about the healing and the the role that such um, processes and medicinal plant medicines um, the role they played in creating a, a a more favorable mental health state for him and that's you know that that's quite a a, a public discourse. Um, that, that, that came from that particular podcast. So there we are. You, you're, you're searching for these experiences. Where did you go? You, you, it wasn't just Australia. You, you went overseas. 
That's right, yeah. So shortly after the meditation experiences, you know, reading Eckhart Tolle's work, yoga, etc., um, profound change started to manifest in my life. But with that came intense um, unease or disease because I was restless. I uh, did not feel happy with what I had created in my life. And I knew that there was something more. I, I'm, I need to stop there because I'm getting confused now because you, you are going down this pathway to see more, to experience more, and yet you're saying that as you went down this pathway, it created unease? Oh, no, so let me clarify. Thank it, you. It, it was the, the transition into that. Oh, I see. So, so, I see. So this led to um, big change, such as um, breaking up with the partner, which was a, a long-term relationship, five and a half years, which was probably the hardest thing I'd done in my life. Also leaving the work. Yeah. So was lucky enough to take a gap year. So they maintained me in that role, but I was on a year of leave without pay. Uh-huh. Um, and then I traveled to Europe. Yeah. So I went backpacking around Europe for not very long, about three or four months. Yeah. Went to a variety of different countries and had different experiences. Um, had some very intense experiences in Spain. Spain. Uh, and Portugal. Yeah. Was that your first introduction to Vipassana in those countries? In Spain it was. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. So as I was traveling around Europe and particularly in Spain and Amsterdam, Keep going. I was uh, exploring the, the medicinal plants. Okay. And I was going quite, quite deep in, into what they had to show me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was actually generating a lot and don't get me wrong, I had beautiful, profound insights and experiences with these plants. But they also developed strong craving in my mind. Craving for what? Craving for what I would call the psychedelic experience. Right. So accessing these states of profound bliss and absorption and dissolution. Dissolution of what? A dissolution of this idea that there is a, a separate individual or body, mind, body that exists apart and separate from everything else. Yeah. When that idea dissolves, one realizes the one, if that makes sense. It realizes the spirit, realizes yeah, you could, the God, you could realizes, that, yeah. yeah. So what I hear you saying there, your experience was slowly but surely dissolving your concept of self as we understand it in the world that we grow up in or the world that we buy into. Yeah. And the psychedelic experience then exposes you to a greater consciousness and awareness of the God within us the spirit within us, that we are part of the spirit, that we are with the spirit, call it what you may. That we are the spirit. We are the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the danger of that is? Well, the danger for me and for a lot of people is that because these states of being are so beautiful and profound and blissful, but they're not permanent, one has to come back to the sober stage and a lot of the habitual patterns and conditions of the mind are still there. Yeah. So one can escape them by taking these medicines. Um, but you've still got to do the work. They, yeah. they can show you things. You yeah. can have shifts of perspective and insight. Yeah. But ultimately, you still have to come back and you still have to do the work. Yeah. Are, are you also saying too... With repeated experiences of disillusion of self, it's hard to come back because all around us in this world, we are strongly enhanced in the perception of self. 
I need, I want, I live, I embrace, I enjoy, I hate, all self. But if that all goes, then how are we living? (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Well, what happened to me was um, the the I, the the mind or the ego, didn't want to come back. It it wanted to stay (sighs) in the psychedelic world in, in, in the higher states yeah. or the experiences of, of bliss and joy and wonder. It wanted to stay there. But one ultimately comes back because it's not permanent. Yeah. And what you come back to is the things you're trying to get away from, which are, for example, the heaviness or the tension or the suffering or the whatever the emotion is. Yeah. They're still there. Yeah. Uh, the psychedelics can give you insight into them and can help you heal them. Yeah. But it's just a tool. Yeah. You're still the one doing the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they can be very powerful and very healing. But yeah. at the same time, if you're using it to escape or numb yeah. yourself, yeah. then they can also be very dangerous. So, so, so I've got you having all of these experiences that you're describing um, the, the, the outcomes of. And the, the journey and the pathway of it is just so fascinating to, to be aware and understand the, 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 the potentiality of it. That, that's really, really fascinating. But you're not only experiencing this in Spain, you went elsewhere too. That's right. Where did you go? Yeah, so I did another course in Australia. Yeah. And that led me to my journey through India. Another course, of a Vipassana course? Vipassana course. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So in the last five or six years, I've been able to um, try different techniques yeah. and sample, I suppose, different traditions and practices. Mm. But something kept pulling me back or, or guiding me back even to the practice of Vipassana. Wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so I've got you in Spain, you're coming back to Australia, you've gone to India. Give us a little bit of the, the glimpse and the feel of your Indian experience. Yeah, so I, was, I went to India in 2020, yeah. about a month before Corona hit. Yeah. So it just so happened that I got more or less stranded or stuck in <laughs> India. And what was... Initially planned as a three-month holiday, yeah. turned into a 30-month holiday. 30 months? That's right. That's two and a half years. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. You just couldn't come back to Australia? I Initially, I probably could have if I tried. Yeah. But then it got to a point where, where I actually couldn't leave the country. Wow. Because I no longer had a, a visa. And there was, a, I think, a period of about eight months where I didn't have a visa. In India? In India. And I tried, to stay in India? That's right. And the authorities never caught up with you and chucked you out? Well, no, not exactly. <laughs> I, I was going through a process of trying to renew the visa. I won't go into detail. Yeah, it was very confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tried to go to Nepal thinking that I had permission to leave the country. But what I thought was a finalized, approved permission to leave, what they call an exit permit, yeah. was actually just an application for the exit permit. Oh, I see. So I tried to go to Nepal but got turned around and back into India. Right. So it got to a point where I actually literally couldn't leave the country. Some of your highlights, please, while you're in that 30 months of India. Give us a couple yeah. of highlights, some, some, um, some experiences that were profound for you. Uh, what's coming to mind now is uh, a few words, and I can elaborate if you like, um, nature yeah. uh, and love. Nature? Nature, particularly up, up north yeah. um, in a state called Uttarakhand. Yeah. Um, some of the experiences there, learning how to drive a motorbike yeah. um, and without actually having a valid driver's license yeah. or a visa, mm-hmm. was still able to rent a motorcycle that I'd never driven before, yeah. pay some money and mm-hmm. take it on a trip around the Himalayas okay. and go up to these, what they call holy pilgrimage sites yeah. where people walk to the summit of a mountain yeah. to... Um, for their devotion to a particular Hindu god or goddess. So I got to experience um, 
some of this. I've got you in Tibetan monasteries in my own mind or that type of experience yeah, as that, well? that came later up yeah. in a place called Spiti Valley. Okay. So this is another state called Himachal Pradesh. Okay. And the nature up there is utterly beautiful. It's yeah. just rolling hills and valleys of pine forest and glacial rivers and streams coming down from the snow, ice cold water. Himalayan backdrop? Yeah, as, as, as clean and as fresh as it's going to get, basically. Yeah. And taking bath and swimming and drinking this water and then just lying on a rock in the sun. Uh-huh. And this was my morning ritual for months. Like this was your routine? It was my morning routine. Yeah, That's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the power in the – describe that routine one more time for us in dot points. Go. Uh, sure. Uh, waking up. Yeah. Um, what time? It varied. It varied. Okay. Yeah, but there was there was no routine on on wake up yeah. hour. Um, walking up through the forest, through the pine forest. How far? Ah, uh, in terms of meters, probably four five hundred meters. Okay. Climbing up the creek, up over the rocks and boulders, and getting to a kind of secret spot. Not many people knew about it, where there was a waterfall uh-huh. and a pool of water, and taking a bath in this water, which was ice cold, training the mind to be able to stay in there without holding the breath. Uh-huh. So being able to breathe through the cold. Uh-huh. And as soon as you touch that water, the body goes numb. Uh-huh. And the reaction of the mind is to, to, to scream or shout and get out of the water. Uh-huh. But, but training the mind to go in there slowly, breathing, and then submerge yourself. And this was my morning ritual. And it just complete based on my own experience, it just completely resets the nervous system, yeah, and leaves you feeling cleansed and rejuvenated. And the, I think you just touched on the benefits. Then you, when you said cleansed and rejuvenated, could could you elaborate and be a bit more specific, if it's possible, about the benefits of of that whole routine? Like, what does it do for you? So the routine in itself was was grounding. Yeah. And, and just being in nature, away from the technology and away from the cities and ev- even away from a people, just being by myself with, with the mother, who I, is my way of saying nature, yeah. um, clears the mind yeah. and allows you to appreciate what is yeah. in the present moment. If we go back to the earlier phrase we used, it creates that space. You said clears the mind. That's it right. It creates that space for That's you right. to absorb the power of the incredible nature that's all yeah, around Yeah, well, just you. to be. Well, how you must have felt connected with grandeur. Definitely. Yeah, at, at peace. At peace with what is. That's a pretty good way to start the day. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. How does it affect your day? when you have that experience? Well, you start the day with a, with a clean slate, with, with, a, with a clear mind or an empty canvas. Wow. Um, so that the day, it's, it's whatever you want to create yeah. rather than reacting to um, situations. You're able to actively choose and participate and create whatever you like with a much more grounded and peaceful mind. Which makes you more efficient during the day? For sure, yeah. See things more clearly? Clarity, um, efficiency, focus. Effectiveness, more productive? Yeah, not only that, but um, there are other physical benefits as well. So by swimming in the cold water, what I noticed was I stopped getting cold. (laughs) I, I could stand outside in cold wind with a shirt on and be totally okay. Um, not only that, but my, um, my feeling of well-being, physical and mental, was drastically improved. Yeah. What's interesting for me is, and, and your comment please, but if I or someone listening to this podcast said, well, wait a minute, I can duplicate that routine. I'll go to bed before 10 as you probably did, wake up at five, naturally with the rays of the sun. First thing I'll do is I'll have an ice-cold shower. Yep. 
won't be ice cold here at Kangaroo Point, <laughs> but it'll be cold. Yeah, what a lot of people do now is the ice bath routine. And uh, Wim Hof does a lot of this work, and yeah. there are a lot of people following his, his method. Um, but essentially, you are training the body and the mind to stay in ice-cold water. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole list of benefits that, that this can bring. If I remember correctly, I think episode number three of A Journey with Bernie, Ian Skipper, my great mate. Hi, Skip. Hope you're listening to this one. Uh, I'm pretty sure Skip does that yeah, every right. morning. Yeah. yeah, I think he alluded to that. But you could have that cold bath, cold shower experience. In my particular case, I've got access to the Brisbane River. I can walk with nature at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning. Only 2% of the population is awake. Walk along there. I can go to a meditative experience, your rock. And I could, in a way, have a similar routine and therefore, as a start to the day, have the same benefits which lead to, what did you say? Focus, efficiency. Clarity. Clarity effectiveness, greater productivity that could last the rest of the day. Definitely. Yeah. As opposed to starting your day, waking up, looking at the phone, um, worrying and stressing about all the things that you want to do today. Yeah. You start the day with presence. Yeah. And with an emptiness, a spaciousness. Yeah. And, and that energy carries throughout the day. Yeah. And it influences everything that you do. Yeah. Are you a more loving human being now than you've ever been before? That's a great question. Um, Currently, I'm going through a big transformational process. Um, But what I'm noticing is that when there is less mind, naturally there's more heart. Yeah. So... That's a beautiful phrase, by the way. So yes, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if you reflect on where you were two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, what's been the biggest change and shift in your spirit and who you are and your essence? Yeah, right. Um, What I'm trying to do now is, 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 is think about, you've been on this incredible journey, made an incredibly bold decision to say goodbye society, bye-bye engineering project, you know, bye-bye what I grew up with, hello dear friends, loved you very, very dearly at the time, but guess what, you, 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 you're not for me, there, there may be others that will come into your life. Um, and, and you've chosen this other pathway to really search for greater happiness within, touch with the essence and the core of who you believe we really are. And you're on, so, so, so far, what's been the greater benefit to you? How are you feeling about Matthew compared to that Matthew of two, three, four, five years ago? That's a big question. Yeah. Um, coming back to probably one of the biggest changes that I've noticed and the whole outlook or perspective on, on life has changed. Uh, I, I used to be totally absorbed in, in money and wanting to have all these material things where now that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. It doesn't concern me at all. I, I don't, Quite frankly, I don't care. Yeah. As long as I'm living um, happily and I, I have enough to stay on this path, then I, I don't need a house. I don't need. <laughs> I don't. I don't need anything apart from what is helping me realize the truth within. Yeah. Now you're not saying to our listeners go and mortgage a house and get out of there. <laughs> no, not at all. But you. But you are. You. You. You are saying that you're prepared to do whatever in order to pursue constant inner happiness. Yeah, that's right. I I spent so long thinking and presuming that happiness came from external things. Yeah. Um, Relationships even. Yeah. Um, Material things that you own or that you acquire. And... I had all that, and yeah. yet there was still something that was lacking. Yeah. 
And naturally, for most people, they would they would think that oh, I, maybe I just need more. Yeah. And from what I've experienced, there there is no limit to what is more. Yeah. It it's a bottomless bucket. Yeah. And so what I'm starting to realize, and what I have experienced to a degree, is that what I am looking for is already it's already within. It's, yeah. it's already my, my essence, like you say, my yeah. nature. And so the whole spiritual process is not actually about attaining or obtaining anything. Mm. It's, it's actually just about cleaning the dirt that's in the way that's stopping us from seeing reality as it is. Yeah, yeah. But the big difference, Matt, that I'm hearing with, with you, my good friend, is you've, been, you've become aware of of that pathway and at 27 years of age the age doesn't mean anything really does it but at such a tender age you had the Bernie phrase guts the courage to say I'm going to investigate and explore this yeah I mean you even played with some stuff the psychedelics plant-based Medicines? Is, it, is that a fair call? Depends how they're used, but yeah, <laughs> they are medicines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that society had, has once deemed and still deemed uh, legally inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have played and explored courageously and arrived at a point where you now realise that the other existence is just not appropriate to you it, 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 or, or the current pathway that you're on, that you're on, is, is just one that creates greatest meaning in your life. Yeah, it, it seems that the the worldly things which used to which I used to give a lot of attention to are concerning me less and less and less. Yeah. I, I have less desire and attachment to these things. Yeah. And uh, the attention or the awareness back then when once this once this awakening journey started, the awareness started to turn from what was outside to what is inside. Yeah. And realizing that what I'm looking for is is actually inside, yeah. Um, like like Christ says, the kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah. And uh, there's a Buddhist mantra, Om Mani Padme Hum. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, the the jewel is within the lotus. Yeah. Um, the lotus referring to this idea of enlightenment. Yeah. So the jewel is within. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is within. Does does Hinduism have a, a similar? Um, Paradigm? Oh, there's hundreds, thousands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one that just came to mind is uh, Sat Chit Ananda. Elaborate. Which means being, consciousness, bliss. Yeah. Um, which is our natural state. Yeah. It's just there's, there's smoke in the way. Um, and through all these practices, we're, we're cleaning the mirror. So all these religions that you're referring to have been around for thousands of years. Years. Yeah, true. And so what you're saying is the message of the purity of our essence and, and our core, in a way, it's always been there. And yet somehow we've ignored it. Yeah, I like to think that it, it already is. It, we've just, because it is, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've just forgotten. That, yeah. that, that's why... The way I choose to look at it is that this this awakening process is actually just about remembering. Yeah. It's not about getting anything or attaining anything. It's yeah. just remembering. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always been there and, and yet we've been so distracted that we've forgotten of its possibilities and chasing the pathway. Which, forgive me, Matt. It's in a very human way why this podcast exists. Yeah. Uh, as you know, 
the podcast exists because what is available to us through all of our guests who have thankfully offered strategy and, and, and actions, you know, routines and disciplines and ways of seeing self, ways of seeing other people, ways of seeing the world that are available to us in order to become a more loving human being. The Matthew pathway is that's this is potent. You are serious, man, <laughs> yeah. about the about the pursuit. And you know, I don't know why I don't know why it is, but right at the moment I've got Peter Darcy in a previous episode where he just simply offered the thought when asked, "How do we move forward in order to to maximise?" our current existence of life. And his simplest strategy was, he said, stop looking in the rear vision mirror. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, um, stop looking in the past. Stop bringing the past into the present. If you don't look behind and keep on glorifying the day that you scored a try against the opposition school and, oh, my God, weren't you such a good cricketer? Remember those days and when you're with the boys, you're celebrating them yeah. and you're, you're, still, you're still that boy when you're in the pub with them. Yeah. You, know? Uh, you know, such a simple concept um, comes from so many of our of our different guests over time. My admiration for you is the ferocity, the courage at 27, 28 years of age, young man, to say goodbye penthouse on Bondi. Oh, manly. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. We can't even get away with that untruth. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. From your 34 years upon this planet, plus whatever preceded it, what would you like to say to the world? What I would like to say is to perform only wholesome deeds. And by wholesome deeds, I mean those actions that create peace and harmony and love for oneself and others to stop performing unwholesome deeds. And I'm essentially quoting Buddha here, mm-hmm. but, but to keep performing wholesome deeds, to stop performing unwholesome deeds and to keep purifying the mind. And that in a nutshell is what I'm doing. I didn't know I was fibbing. <laughs> What is love? Love. To me, love is a a force, an an energy, Um, a glue, if you will, a a sense of realization that one is not separate, that one is not alone. Matthew Barber, I've had a number of guests, 33, 34 now, on A Journey with Bernie. And I can't remember feeling this way where I've actually said this to them on air, as we are now. But if ever in your travels that follow today, um, you are listening to a journey with Bernie, and you say to yourself, oh, I've got something more to say. <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I, I've had a, a, some different experiences. I've had some greater awakening experiences on this pathway that I'm on. Um, can I just encourage you, please, to ring me? Just, sure. just ring me because staying in touch with your, your pathway and learning from you, uh, well, I can only speak on behalf of self. It's, um, it would be an absolute joy and... I'm trusting and hoping that many who are listening to this episode would possibly feel the same way. Yeah. Maddie, thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you for the last week in the kitchen 
at Pomona. <laughs> it was a pleasure to serve together. <laughs> and the fun that we had in in creating um, meals for all those participants and then we had to deliver them to, to the participants in silence. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, but it was just a, a, a complete joy as this has been. Matthew Barber, so appreciate you, mate. Likewise, Bernie. Love you like a little brother. <laughs> Thanks for everything you're doing. Cheers, pal. Take care, eh? You too, mate. Okay, mate. See you. Bye. Hey, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. Dear people, I loved it. I just love the continuous learning journey that our dear guests offer each and every one of us. Of course, you may be after contact and connection details or references to books or other podcasts or educational sources that we talked about. They're all in the podcast notes. Do go there, folks. Now, there are some of you that have rung me about joining our forthcoming trips to Nepal. We're leaving April the 6th and September the 22nd. Imagine you and I walking to Everest Base Camp, even discussing some of the content of these episodes. You do have another opportunity, and that's that beautiful, iconic pathway to Gokyo Lakes via Ronjo Pass or Sholar Pass. Imagine being in the presence of the mighty Himalayas. It'd be so great to have you on board. Just give us a call. Plus six one, that's the Australian code, followed by my mobile number, 412-982-444. Why? Because we've just got to embrace this journey called life. Enjoy it, dear people, and just remember... <laughs>